Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on this midweek, Wednesday afternoon on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual by JP Ong. Now, today the SDI was up a little bit before the lunch break. JP, you have the latest movements, I take it. That is correct. And after two days of uh, punishing and challenging losses, we're finally seeing some. Uh some room, at least, for the Straits Times Index to come back for air. The STI is trading about 51.5 points in the green. That's mm-hmm. a 2.1% comeback. And uh, back above 2,500 again today. We did fall below 2,450 on uh, on Tuesday. And perhaps that sign, uh, uh, just uh, coaxing the bargain hunters to come back in, about a billion Singapore dollars in total value turnover so far. So pretty hefty bounce back, at least, for, for markets. But a lot of markets are trying to come back from those uh, harrowing losses we saw on Monday, sure. right? With a picture across the rest of the region, uh, fairly a bit mixed, but to the upside, at least this time. Okay, so you've got the ASX 200 back to punishing ways, not losing ways, but punishing ways. The ASX 200 is down by about 6.4% today. You've got the Australian dollar weakening to their weakest levels in about 17 years, according to some Forex traders. The Nikkei 225, though, is up by about 101 points, so they're coming back from recent losses also. Shanghai and Shenzhen steady so far today. The Hang Seng down by about 216 points, but uh, given the magnitude of uh, losses we've seen in recent weeks, it's not not a big drop. However, they are settling at about just a little over 23,000 points today, and the Kospi out in Korea down by about 0.4%. So it's fairly mixed, I think, but uh, a little bit more even, I guess, between the winners and losers Mm -hmm. in the major Mm -hmm. regions. And for a change today, we're seeing the Straits Times Index up by about to about 2,506 points. That's a 2% intraday gain for, for, for markets. But again, trying to find their footing. As we speak, we've seen those uh, those gains trimmed by about four points. So so just uh, perhaps just a bit of recalibrating for mark, for traders here mm-hmm. as we exit the lunch break and as, uh, as, as folks settle in for the afternoon session. What I find interesting is my first reaction when you said, oh, my, you know, value turnover, about a billion dollars. And I went, Oh, that's a bit light. Mm-hmm. We weren't saying that exactly <laughs> exactly a year ago. That was not what we were saying. We'd go like, woohoo, a billion dollars at the end of the day, right? Right. And now a billion dollars seems like chump change given all the activity and all the volatility. Um, as I've, as we mentioned before, it might be e- interesting to also note not just how Wall Street uh, closed, because it seems that this, become, this is becoming a more important barometer for how the rest of global markets might move. So we saw Wall Street rebound from their worst day in since 1987, since Black Monday, and that that was a 13, near 13 percent collapse in, on the part of the Dow Jones. Yesterday, they bounced back in a, in a big manner, as expected. The Dow Jones up by 5.2 percent, the S and P 500, and, and Nasdaq up by about six percent, give or take. But equally important now is to look at how futures will, how U.S. futures are trading. So, looking at the U.S. futures at the moment, the Dow Dow Jones futures are trading 810 points lower, or the Dow futures are down mm-hmm. by about 3.9%. S&P 500 futures down by 3.7%. NASDAQ futures tumbling by 4.4%. Look, this uh, that recent rally, relief rally we saw for U.S. markets and this budding rally we're seeing at least in the Asia-Pacific, there is a chance this could be short-lived because we've seen these big swings up and down. And sure. some strategists have actually pointed out that this is par for the course when it comes to uh, bearish markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm going to refrain from calling it officially calling it a bear market, but 
it's looking more like Lake Tat, where we've been staying in bear territory for quite some time now, for a couple of weeks. And the, and the mood still seems very volatile. The one thing that's up today and has been up for rec- in recent times is the VIX index, which tracks volatility on the S&P 500. It's up by about 3.7%, continues to rise. They call this the fear index, and for good reason, because when volatility rises, the amount of uncertainty in the markets also jumps. And one of the be- best exhibits of this volatility also are these wild swings we're seeing in sure. Wall Street. And it's carrying over, at least, to, to markets here. So enjoy this while it lasts, but fingers crossed that you know this doesn't lead to another sell-off when we come back tomorrow, for instance. Well, the th- thing is, you don't really need an index right now to tell you that the markets are volatile. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I think uh, I think uh, given since we are since we are in the media, uh, we should point to some indicators just to highlight that yes, volatility is here to stay. But you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, you're not seeing things. It really is volatile. It really is happening. And uh, and and the num- If you don't believe the numbers, I mean, you can just see how how wildly things have swung. And also just anecdotes from 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 traders who are saying there's nowhere to run from this right now. So that that highlights just the uncertainty. Also, I mean, anecdotes numbers. Numbers, you name it, you're right. I mean, it's just painting a picture of volatility. At See, the if I was still in banking, I would be playing golf right now. Ah, yes. <laughs> Unless your boss is uh, is a bit of a sadist and says, "Hey, now in this volatility, there's money to be made. Go look for it." Right? Oh, yeah. You know what? You know, I did have cl- one of those bosses. You see, you see, and this is why we're in media now, aren't we? But no. <laughs> but there is quite a bit of a money. Uh, there, is, there are some stocks that are benefiting. Actually, there was one story that I wasn't able to get to yesterday when we when we did the U.S. market preview. One stock that's been doing really well in the U.S., apart from Moderna, who rolled out a, a trial vaccine and actually started vaccine trials in the U.S. yesterday, or was it Monday? Anyway, sometime this week, they started trial va- mm-hmm. vaccine trials. Mm-hmm. Another stock that's doing well is the is the company that owns Zoom. So Zoom is the uh, Zoom is as we know it's it's a video conferencing tool, mm-hmm. and they've seen an uptick in use because of all these work from home, study from home, you know, distance learning um, modules, and it's actually given them a bit of a pop. So they were doing well. Seijin, a company in South Korea, closed yesterday up by more than ten percent. They are known for being the provider of coronavirus testing kits out in South Korea, and they've seen demand for it actually skyrocket. As we've seen, the number of cases spread across the world. And their founder actually said, look, we're actually not very happy about this because we've had to divert a lot of our resources from from other parts of our business to just ramping up production of these coronavirus testing kits. I would imagine their R&D as well is affected. It's already, they basically just diverted everything to try and raise production. So uh, previously they said they were going to allow about 10% of their testing kits for export markets. Mm -hmm. Now they've had to raise that to 25% of their production and they're working feverishly to try to provide more testing kits for places like Italy, Spain, the Philippines. And and they've actually said, look, this is actually making things harder for us. So yes, we've noticed that our stock price has more than doubled this year alone. So in the last two and a half months, it's doubled already. But they're actually, they've actually said that we're worried about the other units of our business because this isn't our only business at the moment. And if we start to do this, we might start neglecting some of these units that when, when this whole thing lifts, we might be behind on some of our other business plans. Well, that's actually very interesting that they've got management who are thinking down the road and past the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. And they are thinking, uh, guys, this is not good. This is not going to be. There are going to be problems down the road. But really, that's re- that's 
it's probably why you pay some of these companies and some of these business leaders the big bucks, right? Mm-hmm. To run these companies and to make sure that they can look not just uh, six months, but maybe even six years down the road sure. to, for these things. And uh, it's also uh, some of the, again, these are questions that are often asked also at AGMs for some of the big companies here in Singapore, for instance. Okay, my question today for you, JP, is how are our telcos doing? Because with all this work from home, I would imagine everyone is going to be needing more internet links and etc 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 putting a, a greater load on demand okay so today singtel is trading about 0.8% higher but this could just be them getting a bounce alongside the rest of the market right uh, uh, of course we have to take a look at how starhub is doing today yep up by about 1.6% we don't have any clarity yet from them as to how much or if it's actually um, uh, seen a boost in demand for uh, for for wireless services, mm-hmm. for mobile, for work from home, for for Wi-Fi, for four G. This could be giving them a bit of a boost, but the long-term driver for the telcos is still how they're going to manage the spending for their capex. Here's the other thing too: a lot of these companies, a lot of these telcos, not just here but also overseas. They are in the midst of this race to 5G, and they're rolling out a lot of uh, capex to spend on these things, on on the expansion, mm. on this technological upgrade, I guess, for lack of a better term. But we also know that the COVID-19 has affected a number of factories around the world. It's also sure. affected a number of uh, business plans. Is this going to cause significant delays in their rollout of 5G networks? Are they going or and will they There's actually... There's that down the road question again. That down the road question and also, um, well, let's not forget that Singtel actually had that report where they, they did have a, a case of, of one of the employees being, be, having COVID-19, right? They probably have things maybe they have things under control but there, I'm sure that there's been significant business disruption and management's probably had to meet also and say, hey, we've got a plan around these and, and in, in, in install or, or launch some of our, uh, some of our um, contingency plans, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. This is just another headache for some of these telcos. Today they're doing well. Um, another reason why they might also be doing well is as people start to look for stocks, Jeff Haley from Owanda actually yesterday said that you might want to go defensive for the time being. Right. And one of these uh, hallmark defensive uh, sectors is the telco space because people are going to need these utilities. And uh, especially now because the demand as more companies or as more companies start to toy or shift towards work from home solutions, they're going to need broadband with, they're going to need uh, broadband. I think I would probably watch out for for instances where some telcos, if there are instances of telcos not being able to meet the sudden surge in demand mm-hmm. and uh, could cause outages, it could cause uh, crashes. That has so been like, a problem in other countries. There have been problems in other countries. There are already anecdotes of that. You're right. So, uh, uh, you know, it, is this going to be a problem that Singtel and Starhub will be facing? I'm not I'm not entirely sure. That's something I can't answer, but uh, something to ask, I think, uh, down the road um, uh, you know, when, when we get some clarity from them. But so far, at least today, both their share prices are firmly in the green, but it could just be this bounce we're getting alongside the rest of the market. Okay, well then, keep your one eye. Oh, absolutely. How, however many eyes you may actually have. How many have eyes on, do you think I actually things? have? <laughs> How many does a spider have? So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, now... A lot of countries, a lot of central banks have been looking at off-cycle adjustments and and incentives to try to keep the markets afloat. Now, is the MAS also looking at an off-cycle? Well, 
uh, contingency. We don't have a, a clarity on whether the MAS is, is going to do this, but a number of analysts are actually split. They think that the MAS might have to actually act ahead of, uh, ahead of their April uh, policy meeting. And they've, and they've actually said that, uh, so, so for instance, DBS senior economist Irvin Sia said that, uh, that, that uh, for instance, uh, some of the recent uh, lockdowns in Malaysia are probably, go, or the restriction, travel restrictions right. or movement restrictions in Malaysia are going to pause some, uh, uh, or exacerbate the downside to, the, to, to their growth outlook, not just for Singapore, but for the global economy. And, and a couple of other analysts have actually raised the uh, possibility that the MAS might actually act before their April 14 meeting. But some others actually think that the MAS has some room to, to actually stay put and not act post-haste. In mm-hmm. fact, according to the folks at Citigroup, they think that right now the onus and what we've seen, given some of these big moves from some of these central banks that haven't really been able to stabilize markets or really provide some long-term relief mm-hmm. to sentiment at the moment, is that it's proving that the fiscal guys really need to take the wheel. The fiscal, uh, the fiscal policymakers really need to start driving the car. And, the, and these monetary officials like the MAS can only do so much. So could they act? Possibly. But the onus is still going to be on governments. Now, contrast to many other regions, you've seen the ECB say, you know, we're going to increase bond purchases, but we're not going to lower rates. The Fed cutting, cutting rates to near zero. The, sure. ro- the Reserve Bank of New Zealand doing the same. Everybody, right? The Bank of Japan expanding purchases. We haven't really started seeing much in terms of fiscal rollout from some of these big uh, governments, except here in Singapore. So during the budget, Mm -hmm. we had that rollout of that massive stimulus package to respond to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak as early early as mid-February. Deputy Prime Minister Heng Sui Kat coming on on my NFM, was it last week, uh, talking about, yes, we we might... A second package, and we might even tap into some of our past reserves. In fact, I found it very fascinating how... How Singapore seems prepared for this actually, because you're actually you, it, it's almost akin to saving for a rainy day, and this is not just a rainy day; it's pouring at mm-hmm. the moment, right? Um, they're able to deploy some of this, and they're lucky that they have fiscal room to actually deploy this. So the MAS might actually not might not be it might not be necessary for them to take the lead here, right? And the fiscal authorities have started to run. One thing I will I will point out, though, is and maybe why the mood is starting to just ease a little bit. We're seeing a huge move from the U.S. U.S. President Donald Trump has now actually decide, put forward a stimulus package worth about a trillion U.S. dollars mm-hmm. to try and support the U.S. economy. Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley have pointed out that, yes, we are heading for a global recession. It seems that finally the White House has been stirred to act. And one of the packages is to include a, a $1,000 direct payment to individual Am- Americans to help them to help blunt the economic pain from this outbreak that's already killed over 100 people stateside. So you, you talk about a big fiscal move. It doesn't get bigger than that. A trillion U.S. dollars, $1,000 in the pockets of each American citizen to help and try to, to uh, try and buttress the world's largest economy. We talk about China. Just hiding them over. Yeah, we, we talk about China slowing down and actually bringing the rest of the, re- of the world to the halt. What about the U.S., which is the world's largest economy, right? right. So there, this is why it's a little important to, to note that this could be one of the biggest fiscal moves we've seen yet, apart from the uh, from uh, from Australia rolling out some of their some of the mm-hmm. relief packages, Singapore doing the same here. I, I think the I think some of these fiscal authorities, some of these governments, are starting to wake up to the reality that look, if we've got some spare cash, if we've got some spare ammo there, we need to start deploying it now because. There's only so much. It is interesting that in the U.S., one of the places that um, Uh they are really going 
for assistance and aid is the small business. Mm. They recognize that they really do have to help the, the small business holders. Mm. That's interesting for me because that is the approach that uh, Singapore has taken as well. Yes, I think uh, it's it's very it's, it's sensible too because. In many countries, also small medium enterprises comprise a, a significant a majority of uh, of, of uh, a, a huge percentage at least, or a huge slice of the pie when you look at at the amount of business job creation. At least, when you look at the amount of uh, as a to- as a total percentage of uh, of the number of businesses you have in that country, also if these mom and pop stores, if these retailers, if these coffee shops, mm-hmm. if these yoga studios, if uh, if these uh, hawker centers or these hawk or these food center operators start to feel the pinch and start to feel, uh, f- you know, f- start start to, uh, start to worry, fail. start to fail, that. You could be. It, it's going to impact a lot of ordinary and uh, dare I say ordinary folk on the street. You know, their their jobs are going to be at, at at risk. Their ability to pay their loans are going to be at risk. So, um, this package, at least from the U.S., where they're actually trying to target or try to support small businesses, I think is a big move. It's a great move. And uh, this one thousand dollar direct payment to individual Americans, very similar to what Hong Kong did in their budget, also where they said we're going to put ten thousand Hong Kong dollars into the pockets of each Hong Kong citizen to help them tidy over, uh, to help them ride through all of these problems. Now the possible economic cost of COVID-19 is getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Is that 10,000 Hong Kong dollars going to be enough for Hong Kong? That's a question they'll have to ask themselves, right? That's a question so. that Hong Kong will have to answer. Yes. All right. Well, you know, hopefully the numbers stay in the green and uh, our traders, analysts and investors have a nice day on the market. Uh, on a, the a, day, a day to breathe, guys, at least. A, a day to breathe. Uh, you will have the latest updates when you come back on Primetime. This has been a Market View on Workday Afternoon. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by J.P. Ong. You're on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.